What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Corporate America's Black Leaders Speaking Up for Voting Rights. Merck CEO Ken Frazier urging Wall Street to sit up and pay attention to new voting legislation in Georgia. I want to explain how this law could be the prototype for a lot of bad laws. What's at stake for non-white voters, essential workers, and maybe our democracy? We're actually making it much harder for people to actually cast their votes. And then on top of the fact that people are standing in line for ungodly hours, we now make it illegal to give those people water when they're standing in line. Because, of course, we know from experience that only fraudulent voters get thirsty when they're standing in line. Frazier's case for opposition in and out of the boardroom. There is no substantiated, compelling evidence of voter fraud to justify these restrictions. And former chairman and CEO of American Express, Ken Chenault. After the George Floyd murder, obviously, countless CEOs called us for advice of what can we do. We can't be silent and corporate America can't be silent. And if they can't speak out on this issue, what can they speak out on? Recognizing the role of the C-suite way beyond the bottom line. If corporations had done this throughout our history, we would be far further along in race relations in this country. It's Wednesday, March 31st, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Today on our podcast, dozens of prominent black business leaders in America are calling on companies to fight a wave of voting rights bills currently being advanced by Republicans in 43 states. The effort is being led by former American Express CEO Ken Chenault and Merck CEO Ken Frazier. The two Kens, as we'll be calling them in today's show, marshaled a group that includes Starbucks chair Melody Hobson, former city chairman Richard Parsons, TIAA CREF CEO Roger Ferguson, and about 70 others. It started personally, with email and text messages over the weekend. And today, in an open letter in the New York Times, these executives are calling on all of corporate America to publicly and directly oppose new laws that would restrict the rights of black voters and use their clout, money, and lobbyists to sway the debate with lawmakers. The state of Georgia recently passed a law that introduced stricter voting ID requirements, limited ballot drop boxes, and expanded the power of the state over local elections. In the days before that bill passed last week, almost no major corporations spoke out against it. Big companies based in Atlanta, like Coca-Cola, Delta Airlines, and Home Depot, have issued general statements of support for voting rights. But Ken Frazier, Ken Chenault, and others say Georgia is a wake-up call. Bringing to mind the words of Dr. Martin Luther King in 1967, they say the fierce urgency is now. To be honest, they're frustrated uh, that um, there has not been uh, more uh, discussion 
uh, by the business community and involvement by the business community on uh, this issue on behalf of their employees. They had about 72 signatories, um, including virtually every major black uh, business leader in America, Dick Parsons, um, so many people that we know who've been on our program uh, for a very long time. But it's, it is historic insofar as it's the first time you've seen the black business community uh, effectively call out all of the business community and call on the business community to step up. Appealing directly, especially to a lot of the, the companies that are, are known to be Atlanta-based uh, companies, too. They, like, even appealing directly to Ed Bastian to felt the issue to statement, and it's very measured, and so is Coca-Cola's statement. And it's, I don't want to say it's happy talk necessarily, but they're saying all the right things, but not going beyond just saying things that everyone would agree with. Like, everybody needs to be able to have access to voting. Right. Delta I, actually said that they had been involved with the election, um, the legislation, and that there had been with their involvement, that there had been some improvements made to what was right. the final law. And I don't, I, don't, I don't envy the type of statements that these companies are going to have to try to put together um, at this point. It's, right. it's, and that's the story that, that you're making. How does corporate America well, respond to this? And by the way, the particular juxtaposition between how vocal a lot of these companies were over the summer um, in the wake of George Floyd, that that is a particular right. um, point of interest. It's hard to say this isn't our ballywick. This isn't what we do. Well, it is what you have been doing up to this point. Right, right. We're joined this morning by the leaders of this effort, Ken and Ken, Ken Frazier, Chairman and CEO of Merck, and Ken Chenault, uh, Chairman and Managing Director of General Catalyst. He's of course the former Chairman and CEO of American Express, uh, and we. Um, are privileged to have both of you on the program uh, this morning um, with this historic open letter uh, to your peers in corporate America to take action. Um, so I, let me start with you, Ken Chenault, and I, I guess I'm going to have to call, call one Chenault and one Frazier in this case. Um, tell us how this came to be, uh, because this does appear to be the first time uh, a group of, of, of leaders of your prominence have come together uh, on an issue like this in such a forceful way. So, Andrew, this is the first time. And I think what's very important is to understand the history of voting rights in America. We all know the right to vote is fundamental. But for African-Americans, they had to earn the right to vote. They had to demonstrate and anyone who has followed American history understands that the vote is absolutely crucial. Just think if we had the right to vote, blacks had the right to vote after the Civil War, where this country would have been. Just think after the Brown v. Board of Education case, if corporations had stood up and said, we support the integration of schools. And so what I think is very important here is that we are asking corporations, and this is a call for action. What we have heard from corporations is general statements about their support for voting rights and against voter suppression. But now we're asking, put those words into action. And we're asking corporate America to publicly and directly oppose any discriminatory 
legislation and all measures designed to limit America's ability to vote. Americans must vote. Black Americans must vote. And it would, when it comes to protecting the rights of all Americans to vote, there can be no middle ground. We cannot be in the business of creating unjust and undemocratic laws in an attempt to thwart the will of the people. And so what we're saying is this is fundamentally un-American and corporations have to stand up. There is no middle ground. And so we put together a group starting Sunday afternoon. And this has been a source of conversation over the last 10 days in the black community and clearly from blacks in corporate America. So I want to emphasize this is about all Americans having the right to vote, but we need to recognize the special history of the denial of right to vote for right. black Americans, and we will not be silent. Ken Frazier, um, when you look at corporate America today and you look at the 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 statements that have been made since the since the murder of George Floyd. And I'll never forget you coming on our broadcast uh, literally uh, several mornings right after that, uh, that, that that tragic day. You know, I don't want to be autobiographical, but I'm going to step across here and make one point here. Please. You know, I get to sit on CNBC and have this conversation with you because of one fundamental reason. I know for sure that. What put my life on a different trajectory was that someone intervened to give me an opportunity to close that opportunity gap. And that opportunity gap is still there. We're not asking people to give everybody handouts, but we need to acknowledge that there are huge opportunity gaps that are still existing in this country. I apologize. No, no, you do not apologize at all. There has been a, a silence to some extent, as, as, as Ken Chenault just said, there have been general statements made about it. But when it comes to this issue of voter suppression, um, you have not seen the big companies come out publicly uh, as aggressively as you are calling on them to do, especially in, in states like Georgia, um, Coca-Cola, Delta, Home Depot. What have your conversations been with your peers, uh, not just in this group, but across the country around this topic? Well, thank you for having me, Andrew. I've had some conversations. I think people are trying to get their heads around it. And I think it's important at the outset for people to understand what's wrong with this law, because it's a very long, complicated law. But if you'll just give me a minute, I want to explain to your viewers why we feel so strongly about this law and particularly how this law could be the prototype for a lot of bad laws. So let me start by talking about some facts about Georgia. Over the past few years, the number of registered voters in Georgia has gone up by 2 million. Roughly half of the registered voters in Georgia live in the nine-county metropolitan Atlanta area. We know in the past elections uh, that the wait lines have been hours, up to five hours in that area. Uh, that area, of course, is much more densely populated. It tends to lean Democratic, and it happens to be more non-white than other areas. In fact, people who vote in counties that are largely white, um, spend on average something like six minutes in line if they come out to work. 
if you're in a, a county that's largely non-white, you spend 51 minutes. On average, black voters stand in line about nine times longer than white voters before we make these changes. So now, within two months of a runoff, a close runoff election in Georgia, we make a number of changes that are actually intended to make it more difficult for people to vote in a convenient, reliable, and secure manner. So let me just tell you about a few of them. In Georgia, they had secure drop boxes, okay? In Fulton County, the most populous area of Atlanta, this law reduces the number of secure drop boxes from 40 in the county to eight, an 80% reduction. And those drop boxes are not accessible all through all time and in terms of hours and days a week. They're going to be put inside voting places. And so you have to go inside during voting hours. Now, obviously, people thought secure drop boxes were a good idea, but they wouldn't have made them available in the first place. So what we're now doing is we're restricting access to those secure drop boxes. In Fulton County, again, there were mobile polls for people who had to work. Remember, we're saying that those people who have to work every day, bus drivers, grocery clerks, a few months ago, we were saying they were our American heroes. Those are the people who don't get to take off from work. So they were mobile polls. We're going to restrict the mobile polls. We're going to reduce by more than half the period for people to request an absentee ballot. We're actually going to drastically reduce the period for early voting. And frankly, we're going to make it almost impossible to do it in the context of a runoff after another election. Importantly, with respect to provisional ballots, if someone moves and votes in another count in another precinct, it used to be that people would then go back to the original precinct. And if you hadn't voted there, in other words, if you hadn't voted twice, your vote would actually count. So what we're doing is in a, in a situation where black and non-white voters are already being denied the same access because they have to stand in much longer lines, we're actually making it much harder for people to actually cast their votes. And then on top of the fact that people are standing in line for ungodly hours, we now make it illegal to give those people water when they're standing in line. Because, of course, we know from experience that only fraudulent voters get thirsty when they're standing in line for a long period of time. So if you take collectively all of those changes, what you've done is you've made it harder for people who live in the most populous areas, largely non-white voters, to vote. And I'll just make this following comment. The other problem with this as a prototype is what was the process that was followed here? Were there legislative hearings? No. Were there fact-finding commissions? No. Was there an opportunity for public comment? No. So there is no substantiated compelling evidence of voter fraud to justify these restrictions. So what we do is we raise the specter of voter fraud, and now we restrict legal voters, eligible voters' ability to cast ballots. And that's what's wrong with this bill because democracy depends on every voter in this country having free and fair access to vote right. without discrimination and without undue hindrance. And this set of changes in this long bill, and it's a complicated bill, and I believe people think that they can get away with it because most people won't read the bill, okay? But in totality, these changes will make it much harder for certain voters to vote. 
Yeah, just uh-huh. one one point, Andrew, that I would emphasize what we're asking is I frankly applaud what close to 60 companies did in signing a business statement opposing anti-LGBTQ state legislation, uh, stating their clear, clear opposition to this harmful legislation aimed at restricting the access of LGBTQ people in society. And what we're saying is, fundamentally, we want corporations to do the same thing here. Well, Ken, Ken let me ask you about that. This is Ken, Ken Chenault and Ken Frazier. But yes. what is it exactly uh, that corporate leaders who are watching this program this morning, some of the big Fortune 500 companies are watching this program this morning, they're, they're hearing your message and, and the question I think they're asking is, am I supposed to go state by state effectively uh, analyze and evaluate whatever proposal comes? Uh, if I do, do I have to do business in that state to actually uh, fight it or not? When you say fight it, is it just putting out a statement publicly? Is it lobbying? Is it using PAC money? And, and, and invariably, the, one of the issues becomes uh, this idea of, you can't. A lot of CEOs say, "I can't just be a one-issue voter, right? I can't just support uh, um, uh, candidates on one side because of one issue. Because maybe maybe there's a state where the taxes are going to go up, uh, and 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 my guy is going to is actually fighting the taxes going up, but maybe they're also fighting uh, on on this voter suppression issue. How do you, how do you separate all of that? Yeah, here's what well, I would say. Start- this is, a, this is a moral issue. This is a moral issue. And it is absolutely critical to understand that all rights flow from voting rights. And all we're asking companies to do is to oppose, and be, let's be very clear, in every jurisdiction, in every state, to take a public position to oppose. Ken? Yeah, I don't think it's too much to say that the business community has the ability to analyze these laws. And again, in Georgia, I'm not here to say every change that was made in the Georgia law was bad. It wasn't. But collectively, if you look at the things that I outlined, what you're doing is you're taking a situation. Again, I start with the fact that if you're a non-white voter, on average, you're already going to stand in a line nine times longer than a white person. So there's not already not equal access. What we're saying is that state by state, in the absence of substantiated and compelling evidence of voter fraud, any actions that are taken to restrict the ability of eligible voters to vote should be opposed. We're not saying do a boycott, right? We're not being prescriptive about how you oppose it, but these companies should come out and make it very clear before this playbook, which is run in Georgia now, becomes the playbook around the country. And you should know that in 43 states already, there are similar bills now that are now being introduced after the 2020 elections to actually restrict the ability of people to vote. We're calling about companies to speak up and say that voting is a fundamental right. And again, in the absence of compelling, substantiated evidence of voter fraud. And remember, people went into courts around the country to say that there was voter fraud, and the judges had no time for it because in court, you actually have to produce evidence. In the absence of this evidence, 
restricting the rights of other people to vote should be opposed by corporate America. And it's and not, think, frankly, just a one issue thing. Absolutely. I think what's very important, Andrew, to your point, both Ken and I, uh, after the George Floyd murder, obviously, countless CEOs called us for advice of what can we do. If fundamentally, you can't oppose this legislation, that's the lifeblood for black Americans is the right to vote. And we can't be silent and corporate America can't be silent. And if they can't speak out on this issue, what can they speak out on? Ken Chenault, you said you got tons of calls after the George Floyd uh, incident and everything that happened over the summer. Have you gotten those same calls from CEOs on, on this matter? And why do you think it is that the Business Roundtable and others haven't picked up this situation with the same fervor? Look, I think that people are looking at this in partisan terms, and I think they need to understand this is a fundamental, basic American right. And this is nonpartisan. And people should not be focused on, will it hurt me if I take a stand? With all due respect, many people died for the right to vote. And this is one where we're asking corporations to take a moral stand. And if corporations had done this throughout our history, we would be far further along in race relations in this country. Ken Frazier, I, I think back to, to Coca-Cola's actions in the past with Martin Luther King when he won the Nobel Prize and there were some white elites in Atlanta who did not want to honor him at a dinner. Coca-Cola took a stand and said, this will happen and change things. Is that what you were expecting this time around? You think that's why the pressure is so great on Coca-Cola, Home Depot, uh, Delta and others in Atlanta? Well, let me start by saying again, Georgia is the leading edge of a movement all around this country to restrict voting access. So I don't want to just focus on the Atlanta corporations. I'm sure those corporations wanted to engage on that behind the scenes. I, I'm not just pointing to those people. I will say that what we're saying this morning is that these kinds of bills have to be stopped in their tracks because, you know, you have to actually spend time reading this bill to understand what's, what it does. And I think corporations ought to take a very strong stand in Georgia and every place else, as Ken said, that this is a moral, fundamental issue that goes to the lifeblood of our democracy. Voting is our birthright, and it's enjoyed by every citizen unless it's hindered. And now there's an active campaign to hinder it in some places. And again, it's not just a Georgia issue. Ken, Ken Frazier, could you just speak to this, though? And I, I appreciate that, that this is, a, 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 in your mind, and, and, and I believe, a moral issue, uh, no doubt. Um, and I, I know you don't believe it's a partisan issue, but it, it just so happens that uh, Republicans, for the most part, or, or entirely, are the ones that are supporting um, these laws, which I believe you, you believe are going to suppress the vote. And so the question that I that I'd ask you is maybe somewhat similar to the one I was asking Ken, uh, Ken Chenault, which is, 
how how should business deal not just with this issue, but also with, in part, perhaps Republicans who, who in many states control the state? You're doing business in the state. How do you think about that? Well, first of all, I don't believe that every Republican, registered Republican in this country is in favor of restricting ballot access. Uh, it seems that at least for some Republican legislators, they've actually made two kinds of calculus. The first one is that if we can just shave off some voters by making them stand in line longer in certain parts of the state. And I go back to my earlier comment before these changes, the average non-white voter in a county that was majority non-white was already standing in line almost nine times longer. That shouldn't happen in a democracy. We would go to other countries and we would say that's unfair. So that's already the case. If we allow a party to adopt as one of its fundamental strategies voter suppression, then I don't think the answer should be, well, we can't comment on voter suppression because otherwise we're being partisan. Free and fair access to the ballot was never a partisan issue. It's a fundamental constitutional right. And so I would simply say that people have to take a stand and say, we're not going to accept this from Republicans. We're not going to accept it from Democrats. Because, you know, there have been times when, in terms of gerrymandering, people in the Democratic Party tried to concentrate African-Americans in districts so that they would be safe congressional districts. We oppose that, too. In fact, when I was a lawyer, I filed a lawsuit in Philadelphia against the Democrats for trying to to try to congregate black people into certain districts so that they became safe legislative districts for the Democrats. So this is not a partisan issue. If one party has decided to adopt voter suppression in the absence of substantiated evidence of voter fraud as its strategy, then I think we have to oppose it and not allow people to say, well, now you're just a partisan. Ken Chenault, uh do you or the group, to the extent that you can speak for the group, have a, have a uh, particular view on a federal level in terms of H.R. 1, for example? Look, at the end of the day, we're going to leave all of that to the politicians. We obviously support any legislation that will enable people to vote and protects the rights of people to vote. What we think is important is for corporations, as we've said, to take a stand. And we do not believe, and let me be very clear, that the excuse should be we need to wait for legislation to happen to correct the ills of what's happening in a range of states. So what is important here is we're coming with goodwill to our colleagues in corporate America And we're saying as African-American executives in corporate America that this is the most fundamental issue for us and we need your support. Ken Chenault, Ken Frazier, want to thank you uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, We hope you come on back uh, and let us know your progress. I'd love to hear the feedback. I I imagine if you look down at your phones, you're getting all sorts of emails and text messages from folks who are watching you now. Uh, and we'd love to uh, we'd love to continue to follow this and this story. So thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, uh, Andrew. And uh, thank you uh, to uh, Ken Chenault, Ken Frazier. Squawk Pod. We'll be right back. 
Here's an update for podcast listeners. Following our TV broadcast this morning, news broke that Delta CEO Ed Bastian had sent an internal memo to the airline's employees with fresh comments on the Georgia voting legislation. He explained Delta had some lobbying influence while the bill was being written. But then he went further than he had in previous statements. And here's what he said. I need to make it crystal clear that the final bill is unacceptable and does not match Delta's values. The right to vote is sacred. Bastion also called out the messaging around Georgia's Election Integrity Act of 2021, writing this, The entire rationale for this bill was based on a lie, that there was widespread voter fraud in Georgia in the 2020 elections. This is simply not true. That's Squawk Pod for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. They'll all be back tomorrow. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.